Know Your Food with Warty, Episode 82. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at Ganalfglins.com and KnowYourFoodPodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Good morning, everyone. I am standing here at my desk drinking my lemonade water that I told you about on last week's podcast. I'd love to know. I've got a couple questions about it, so I'd love to know if you've tried it and how you like it. Um, And again, I just encourage you to drink lots of water. Um, and start out with that morning quart of water and flavor it up like I have. That is not this week's tip of the week, though. It's just a quick reminder that if you still haven't done that, go back to episode 81, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 81, and listen to when I talk about drinking water first thing in the morning and how I make my lemonade um, and give it a try. I do have a different tip of the week for you today. This is a superfood that's all about vitality you may have heard of it. It's called maca. Maca is a Peruvian root. It's been cultivated for thousands of years. It can help with energy, fertility, hormonal dysfunction, depression, circulation, mental acuity, and much more. It's called maca, and let me tell you a little bit about how it was discovered. Um, It grows high in the Peruvian Andes at altitudes of 14,000 feet, And indigenous people were taking their animals around, grazing them, shepherding them. And they noticed, this was like over 2,000 years ago, they noticed that their animals had improved health, hardiness, and improved fertility when they were grazing on the maca root. So the people tried it themselves and they experienced benefits like the ones I mentioned. Fertility, building muscle, increased stamina, relieving symptoms of menopause, boosting energy, uh, prostate health, increase bone density, alleviate depression, boost libido, balance hormones, and more. So it's this wonderful super food. It's a root. I'll tell you a little bit in, in a minute about it. Um, it's got all these wonderful nutrients. And I'm not going to go into them all, um, but what jumped out at me when I was looking at them was they it's rich in these vitamins and minerals where we're often deficient, like specifically vitamins A, there's B vitamins, C, and vitamin D, and the minerals, iron, magnesium, copper, zinc, sodium, potassium, and calcium. And it's got a lot more um, wonderful benefits as well. It's got amino acids, it's got good fats. And my own personal experience has been that I love it. I've actually been consuming a little bit of maca powder each day for about six months. And as I mentioned before, I've been um, lifting weights for over a year. And I feel an incredible difference in my exercise routine when I've taken maca in the morning. Um, Like I want to work out. I feel strong. I do great. If I haven't taken the maca, I'm just like, I don't feel like it. I'm too tired to do that. I can just barely get up the gumption. Plus, I think it's just been a great improver in many things, female issues, for instance. So I'm a total fan of maca. And about two months ago, I stumbled on a company called the Maca Team that's doing 
um, wonderful things with maca. They have three colors of maca that they offer, which I never heard about that, mostly in the stores or other companies you see cream-colored maca. Well, cream-colored maca is the least nutritious form of maca, um, but it comprises the bulk of the harvest. The roots have different colors, and the cream-colored roots produce about 60% of the maca that's on um, the market, and it has the least nutritional benefits. The ones you want to look for are the red or the black. And so this company, the Maca team, well, they do offer all three, but I love their red and their black. And um, they do fair trade. Um, The farms use traditional methods. They package it so it stays fresh. Um, It also is very fresh. Instead of coming to you maybe two years after it's harvested, you are getting it within a few months of it being harvested. And there's a lot more reasons to go with the maca team. Now, I've got a whole um, blog post for you all about maca because I really think you should check it out. Um, So to get the complete scoop on maca, hear more of my story and more descriptions of what it is and what it can do, you want to go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash supermaca. Maca is spelled M-A-C-A, by the way, so it's super maca, one word. If you want to check out the maca team's maca, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash maca. And I do have a special coupon for you. This is mentioned in the blog post at slash super maca. But if you're going right to the maca team, um, place an order, 10% off your entire order. Just use the coupon code ENERGY, all caps, E-N-E-R-G-Y. And that coupon is good through Thursday, September 4th, 2014. So that's the tip of the week for you. Highly encourage you to check out the Superfood Maca. It's just another way uh, to empower your health and feel good. Um, And of course, spend some time reading about the uh, directions for taking it, who should take it, who shouldn't. It is a superfood. It's hard to take too much, but that doesn't mean it's good for everyone. And of course, I'm not a doctor, so or a healthcare practitioner. Uh, so don't take my word for it. Do your own research. Our listener question today comes from Gloria. She says, Hi there. I got the instructions for your sourdough starter through Facebook. I have started a culture several times now, but have some questions. I have had great growth and bubbles for three to four days. Then the next edition will end up watery with a pinkish color or cover on top. What is it? Is it harmful? What did I do wrong? That's the first set of questions. Second would be, when you say cover loosely, what does this mean? The jar screw top, not screwed on tight, a piece of saran wrap loosely placed over the top, or secured tight with a rubber band? And the third set of questions. Where do you find a constant 85 degrees and how important is it? During the day, I can put the starter in the garage. My house is kept at 80 and I can't find um, anywhere, cabinets, closets, etc. that maintains 85, but at night it drops into the 70s. I live in mid-Florida. Thanks for your help. Well, Gloria, I'm so happy that you're trying out this starter. I want to mention to everyone that we do have free sourdough starter instructions plus a video that explains the beautiful, miraculous, wonderful process. You can find that at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash starter. So if you go there, you can watch the video. And you can download the sample chapter of our sourdough ebook where all these stru- these um, instructions are. Okay, so that's putting us all on the same page of what Gloria is doing. Now let's tackle the questions. So the first is the pink stuff on top. Well, Gloria, pink is never good in anything that's fermenting or souring. 
It usually means the wrong organisms have taken hold. Um, so usually the recommendation is toss it. It's no good to eat. Um, and anyway, it's just not good for you. Um, however, you're only at three to four days into your starter. So during this time, the organism balance is kind of shifting around and, you know, you're feeding and keeping things warm and you're trying to help the good guys establish the really strong uh, colony. But there's still some like, you know, little battles and some shifting going along, going on. So it's possible this is just a stage and that if you keep taking care of your starter, that you will um, get to that purified point where it's a strong colony of the right things, right organisms. So you might want to give it a couple more days and see if you can get that pink to go away. If it doesn't go away, toss it and start again. And when I answer your third set of questions, I think it's going to help um, you be successful the next time. But your second set of questions was about covering loosely. Well, covering loosely could mean all of the above that I, that you suggested. I mean, you could have a jar lid that's not screwed on tight, um, but I wouldn't really recommend that. I think that's a little too tight, but you can just put a loose cloth over the bowl. If you have a fruit fly problem, you can put a, like a cloth napkin or towel over the bowl and then put a plate on it. A plate doesn't seal it completely. Air can still flow in and out and that keeps the fruit flies out of your starter. Um, you can do saran wrap that's not pressed down all the way, so a little bit of air can go in and out. Um, you can do a paper towel um, with a rubber band. There are a lot of different options for cover loosely. The main thing is don't seal it up tight. Now the final consideration, your questions about where do you find a constant 85 degrees? Well, actually 85 degrees is way too hot for a starter. And that may be the reason you're developing this pink, what I would consider, I don't know, mold or, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that grows in, you know, hot, um, humid bathrooms. You know, we get it in the winter with a humid climate. That's the pink stuff. Is it mildew? Is it mold? But if you're keeping your starter, trying to keep it 85 degrees, you're probably cultivating that. So knock it down to around room temperature, which is about 72 degrees, maybe a little higher to 75, 77. But in the 70s is much better than in the 80s. So um, I think you're um, I think it's probably a heat issue that's contributing to the pink. And so keep your starter a little bit cooler. So Gloria, if you've got additional questions, just hit up the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 82. And best wishes on that starter. I'm really happy for you. And I really think you're going to get it going. And you're going to love sourdough cooking. It's fantastic. I'm always excited to share my guest with you, and this week is no exception. He is Eric Zielinski, a chiropractor who has devoted his life to natural health and wellness for over a decade. He's been inspired by the timeless principles in the Bible, and his mission is to seek out ways to provide people with simple evidence-based tools they need to achieve an abundant life. He's formally trained as a chiropractor and public health researcher, his primary approach is to encourage people to become urban homesteaders and to embrace natural health care, wellness principles, balanced nutrition, and empowering God-centered life strategies. He and his wife, Sabrina, live in Atlanta, Georgia with their three children, Esther, Isaiah, and Elijah. And you can find his website at Dr. Eric Z, D-R-E-R-I-C-Z dot com 
We're going to talk a lot about what he does, those timeless biblical principles, and urban homesteading, and there is just a lot of ground that we cover, and it's really refreshing. I think you're going to be inspired, and you're going to love hearing about what Eric and his family do. Got a lot of information waiting for you at the show notes, so be sure to hit to go there, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 82. We will have complete links to all of Eric's info, plus some videos embedded um, that his wife does on YouTube. Um, she's got a great windowsill gardening series, so I'm going to put the first one in the show notes and link you to the rest of them. Um, they're just delightful. You will really enjoy them. Hey everyone, this is Wardy, and I'm here with my guest, Eric Zielinski. Hi, Eric. Hi, Wardy. So happy you could join me today. I just think we're going to have a great time talking about your family and your urban homesteading legacy and just the wisdom um, that you have to share. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you for the first question I ask all my guests, which is to tell us about you and your family. Well, Wardy, right now, I'm currently in chiropractic college. I'm about to graduate this December, and I've recently launched a website. And in my website, we're highlighting a devotional that I write and my, my wife's urban homesteading tips. We have her little Mama Z blog. And I have to tell you, I, I was so blessed. I met my wife seven and a half years ago, and she was raised on an urban homestead her whole entire life. I mean, when, when her mother was making homemade fruit roll-ups, I was basically eating out of a box. And so when I married her, it was a little bit of a change because making your own food, growing your own food, having an urban homestead in the city uh, was a little bit of a change for me, but it was something that I relished and was something that I was looking for. Because back in 2003, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and there is a verse in Scripture that talks about our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And my mentor in Christ at the time just really impressed upon me that we need to take care of our bodies as a way of honoring God. And, and I never saw that before as an act of worship. So I did the best that I could, but I never really um, dived into the world of, uh, of growing your own food and homesteading until I met my wife. And so really, you know, she really completed that. She really completed that part of me. And um, we were just a fantastic team. And we're out with a mission to help people live the abundant life. That is fantastic. I am just so happy to hear that. I love, um, I love hearing of transformations in people's lives. And I think God is so good to bring people into our lives and to um, plant his word. I mean, he says that God's word doesn't return void. And so many times in my life, I've read something and then, you know, years later, months later, it's like, oh, and, you know, it's just wonderful, that whole path and that transformation. I want to talk about that a little bit more with you um, because you didn't grow up the way your wife did. And so there was probably, I just want to dig into this more. What, what was there an aha moment? Was it meeting your wife? Was it, was it an uphill battle for a time? You know, what was the whole transition like? And what made you really want to turn and follow this new path of worshiping God by taking care of your body? And then, you know, practically speaking, all the other things you're doing, like chiropractic, urban homesteading, and the things that you do? You know, Wardy, that's actually a great question. It's interesting you asked it that way, is because, you know, when I met my wife, she had the urban homesteading thing down pat, yet she didn't live that healthy version of it. 
where I, I came from a very healthy background in Christ, because once I met the Lord in 2003, I didn't meet my wife until three years later. I spent those three years really just being discipled, in a sense, by people like Joseph Mercola, uh, you know, his wealth, mm-hmm. health website, um, people that I've admired. I, I, I'm a researcher, and I'm a researcher at heart. I'm a writer. And so I just, I just dove into the scripture, and I dove into health and wellness principles. So when I met my wife, you know, believe it or not, she was granted she was homesteading, which I think is something that we might want to talk about because just because mm-hmm. someone's an urban homesteader doesn't mean they're healthy. Right. Um, you know, a lot of, you could use a lot of white processed sugars and a lot of, you know, processed grains and things of that nature that in a sense almost, um, you know, negate the benefits that you're getting from urban homesteading. So when I met my wife, it was that perfect marriage of she brought the urban homesteading aspect to our marriage. I brought the health and wellness, and we were both able to help each other grow into who we are now. And so when I met my wife, she actually had a lot of gastrointestinal issues. Um, you know, she really suffered as a young baby, and her mom didn't realize that she was lactose intolerant, she was gluten intolerant, she was allergic to preservatives and sugar. So her mom did the best that she knew how, and, and being a home economist, she really made, again, she made all of their own food, they canned, they, they have a most beautiful garden, um, just unbelievable. But they just didn't take it to a, uh, I guess, a natural health mode. So... With that, it was a very unique opportunity for me to help my wife, and then we got her off of gluten, we got her off of sugar, and her just world just transformed. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, the best thing about my wife, and I, I brag on everyone uh, about her, too, is because she has perfected the art of culinary healthy cooking. Because she was raised in a culinary house, urban homesteading, and just because you eat healthy doesn't mean you have to eat like cardboard. It doesn't have to taste like cardboard. It, it's her, her uh, chocolate cakes, her mousses, her puddings, her ice creams, I mean, all the sweet, the lasagnas that we make are fantastic. But they're all allergy-friendly. They're all, in my opinion, very healthy. And they go very much in line with our, our biblical mindset of, of uh, taking care of our bodies and honoring God. That is so cool. Um, a couple things st- struck me about this. Um, you know, you were on a path of healthy living. She's on a path of urban homesteading. Doesn't matter when either of you really started it, but when you met, that's where you each were. And you married and you kind of completed each other. You made each other better because you each brought something to the table. And so many times, I mean, it's great that we have great examples of this, but I think some people, when confronted with that, could say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going there. But both of you said you were going there with, you know, the thing that each of you had to offer. And so now you're starting this family that's healthy and homesteading. And so you've got everything going for you. Um, it's like it makes you each a better person, makes you each a better family. And that's really encouraging. You know, it, when you're saying that, it, it reminded me of a funny story. Um, I love plants, but up until I met my wife, I had a brown thumb at best. And uh, I remember being single, had my own apartment. You know, I'm eating good. I mean, basically all my food was pretty bland for to most standards, but they were like as healthy as you get, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so I had, a, I had a hibiscus tree I bought at the local store, and that poor tree was just suffering. I mean, I don't know what else to do, but I wanted some nice, healthy trees. I wanted the fresh, fresh oxygen in my apartment. 
well, I don't know, basically my, my wife just breathed on it, said a quick prayer, the thing sprouted out. <laughs> and soon, soon, shortly after, we get married. And of course, we, we, we had a, a, you know, we had a, um, a mixed family. We brought our trees and our plants in. So we had a nice mix <laughs> of, of, you know, of, of, of kids there. And so interestingly enough, that, that, high, that hibiscus kind of struggled a little bit blooming. Well, too, not too short after we got married, we, uh, you know, about uh, a year or so later, we had our first child, Esther. And I kid you not, it was October 1st, 2008, that hibiscus bloomed one blossom a day for that entire month. And it was just gorgeous. And so we coined that tree, Esther's tree. And since then, we've had three children now. Every time we have a new child, we buy the child a hibiscus tree. And it's just gorgeous. So Isaiah has a yellow one. Little Elijah has an orange-red hybrid. And it's just beautiful. But I got to tell you, like you said, um, you know, to see that come into play with my wife's help, you know, I couldn't have done it on my own. But we definitely complete each other. That is a fantastic story. I thank you for sharing that. Let's talk. Um, let's talk about what you teach. I do want to talk about your wife's urban homesteading legacy, but um, you know, you say in your bio that um, that you've been inspired by the timeless principles in the Bible, and that informs the different ways that you provide people with simple evidence-based tools for achieving abundant life. I want to dig into that. Um, I'm hoping you can give us an example or two of these principles you've identified or have been revealed to you and how we can apply them. Yeah, thanks. Um, that's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey that God has put me on. I, I didn't have much of a relationship with the Bible before I met Christ. And so being the voracious reader and the researcher, I literally just dove into the scripture and I dove into old works, you know, Oswald Chambers and E.M. Bounds and R.A. Torrey, the people that have been long dead, but they really discipled me through their old writings that are now 100, 150 years old. And as I started reading and as I started diving into this, this, this new spiritual world that God's put me in, it dawned on me, to me, that there are seven key areas of the abundant life. And when Jesus said that the, the enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy, that he came that we may have life and have it to the full. And some versions say that we may have life abundantly. I, it, it dawned on me, what, what are the areas of the abundant life? And to me, it's first and foremost spiritual. We have a spiritual area, a spiritual focus that we need to have in life. There's a physical, there's a mental, emotional, occupational, social, and even um, a financial. Hmm. So when anything, I mean, anything from a healthy um, love life with your spouse to your finances, to raising your kids, all fall in those buckets. And God just gave me those seven key areas. And, and I don't know, I'm not like a numerologist guy, but, you know, seven being the, the number that God has represented in the Scripture as a perfect number, I kind of thought, well, that's kind of interesting, these seven key areas that the Lord showed me. And so what, it's interesting because I have a finance background. I, I managed a bank for a couple of years. I sold mortgages, and I was involved with um, retail and finance. So I, I can help people with, you know, some basic financial help. Um, as a chiropractor, I'm actually trained as a primary care physician. 
Um, we can help people, you know, soup the nuts, so to speak. Um, I'm not a psychotherapist, but I've been trained in that area, so I can help people overcome some basic emotional and mental hang-ups. And spiritually, as a Christian, I can help encourage people uh, get right with God and, and live a good life and live the abundant life spiritually. Um, and, you know, occupational and social. I think we all have the ability to help people, you know, find a good job, encourage people to not just work a job, but like you do, Wardy, you have, you have a calling, right? And I try to encourage people, you know, our work is actually, as evidence has shared, um, our work is a representation of, of our level of happiness. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a discipline called positive psychology. And a lot of people aren't familiar with it. It's been around for 25, 30 years, but they've studied concepts like flow, F-L-O-W. And, and the easiest way of understanding flow is, you know, you, you think of a pitcher pitching a no-hitter or a bowler throwing a 300 or, or someone in the zone. And as a writer, and I'm sure you experience this, there are times when I'm writing and next thing you know, I'm in this eternal state of just, of the, I'm just in this eternal state of peace this eternal state of now where I'm just working. I'm not thirsty. I don't have to go to the restroom. Two, three, four hours go by, and I'm just zinging. I'm just, just unbelievably productive. And that's what positive psychologists call flow. And studies have shown that the more you flow, the happier you are. And the most happy people, the happiest nations around the earth have positive relationships they, they have jobs where they flow, right? The people in the countries, they work in positions where they flow more than not. Um, they live in communities, and uh, believe it or not, they don't exercise. Their way of life is a way of exercise. Um, have you ever heard of the Blue Zones? A National Geographic uh, um, report talked about the Blue Zones. Wordy, have you ever heard of those? No, I haven't. Yeah, we gotta, I got to say, I encourage you to look it up. It's pretty interesting. There are five areas in the world where people are, uh, live to 100 more than anywhere else, and they have the, the longest life expectancy. And one of those is in northern Okinawa, Japan. And you see these beautiful old women. I mean, I see a picture in my mind from, from this report, this National Geographic report, of these women. The average age was 102. There are five of these women. They knew each other for 98 years. And the gentleman was highlighting the fact that these women never exercise, but because in their culture they don't have chairs and tables, they do upwards to 100 to 150 squats a day because they're going up and down, up and down, playing with their grandkids, doing their work. That's exercise, right? And so we see that all over the world. And, you know, going back to my my wife's homesteading heritage, my father-in-law, I mean, that guy, he's as strong as an ox. And, yeah, he does exercise just because that's something that he does to rehabilitate an old um, uh, knee injury he had from playing football competitively in high, college and high school. But this man puts in 35 to 45 hours a week in his urban homestead. He's got 38 fruit trees. I mean, we're talking he lives in a lot and a half, just a regular city lot. He lives in a cul-de-sac. He's got 38 fruit trees he has to prune, he has to harvest, he has to manage. He has a 100-foot by 20-foot um, vegetable garden, a 20 by 20-foot herb garden. I'm just beautiful. That's a lot of work. And so going back to the seven key areas of the abundant life, I really believe God's just, just called me to share. It's all about balance. It's all about balance. And if one of those buckets are too full or too empty, it's going to cause a misbalance in your life. Hmm. Wow. 
That's fantastic. I feel like I need to go back and listen to you again, which I can. This is being recorded. <laughs> and soak it up a little bit more. Um, I know I'll it's a lot. I'll definitely be mulling over that. Uh, that is really wonderful. So let's talk about your urban homesteading. Um, I want to tell all our listeners that Eric's got a bunch of links for you on some of these things we're talking about. You can find them all at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 82, because this is episode 82. Um, and so one of those links is going to be a tour of Eric's wife's parents' urban homestead, the one that we've been referring to. And Eric, I would just love for you to share more about this urban homesteading legacy um, from your wife's upbringing. The first word that comes to mind is Willy Wonka. <laughs> and I'm going to explain it. When Again, when I met my wife, I'm just actively seeking God, sharing the gospel, sharing health and wellness with people. When my wife invites me over, she actually invited my friend and I over to meet her parents. It was right around the 4th of July. And at that time, several years ago, it was right around blueberry harvest. And they have a gorgeous blueberry bush, right? And I think I actually took some pictures of the blueberry bush right by their deck. I just remember, Wardy, I remember vividly going to their home and thinking, Lord God, this is like my own personal Willy Wonka of the land, you know? I, I just, I thought of Veruca Salt, I thought of Gustav or whatever his name was, eating the chocolate and picking the candy from the, I, my friend Eric and I, heart just, just grazed for about a half an hour, 45 minutes, we went from cherry tree to cherry tree, we went from herb garden to herb, we went to the blueberry bush, and I just remember thinking, this is life? I mean, when, where I were, was raised, we had to drive 45 minutes to an hour to go to the quote-unquote um, apple orchard or blueberry patch to pick anything fresh, and that was maybe once a year. Mm. I mean, this was what my wife was raised in, and this was the life that I mean, for all intents and purposes, you almost take for granted because this is what you, all that you know. Yeah. So I just remember just thinking, unbelievable. I mean, just just being taken back. And but yet, I have to tell you, there's a lot of work involved with that. My, my wife tells me stories about being a young girl wanting to get a ride to the mall, right? And you're 13, 14 years old, and you want to go to the local mall. Well, her father used to make her and her sisters pick a thousand weeds. Literally, a thousand weeds out of the garden. And her father is a PhD chemist. He's an agri-scientist. And it's interesting because he would count sometimes. If he thought that the girls were throwing a fast one by him, he literally would count the bucket. And if they didn't have a thousand, they had to pick double. And I find that very curious because I'm outside with my father-in-law. You know, I've helped him with apple and cherry harvest and all that stuff. And I'm pruning uh, the, orange, um, the, uh, the peaches. And we, we spent an hour or so, and he goes, well, how many did you get? Asking me a question, and I, being the man that I am, I said, oh, about a bushel. And I said, well, how about you? He goes, 852. <laughs> 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 what? He goes, yeah. I, that's like, the scientist <laughs> in him. He can't help it. <laughs> that's exactly what my mother-in-law said. I find it so, but that's him. I love him. I mean, it, it's just, that was hilarious. And my mother-in-law um, just, just love her. And she, I, I, I kind of made a joke and tease him about it. And she goes, well, what do you expect? He's a chemist. What's he supposed to do with his head? And I'm thinking, <laughs> there's about a thousand. I can't even focus my attention long enough to count to 852 cherries, let alone. <laughs> so that's my wife's urban homestead. My father, and I say that because it's a science experiment. 
my my wife's sister-in-law, she's a PhD chemist. She teaches at an honors college in Michigan State University. I mean, it's just in their blood. My wife, although she's not a scientist, she's very much um, scientifically minded and she's very exact and precise in all that she does, which uh, by the probably is the reason why she's been able to perfect the um, the exchanges of you know gluten to non gluten and all that other stuff. I mean, when I put a recipe on my blog, it just about drives her nuts because I don't have exact <laughs> the measurements. I'm like handful of this, and there's no no you need no exact. You know, I can just <laughs> see her dad pounding his fist in his fist like he's got to be exact. Um, but yeah, that that's awesome. So uh, it, it, it's basically it's become a science experiment that is just blossoming to this beautiful outreach. I mean, last year he had over, I think, 800, um, 800 pounds of apples that he donated to, to the local food banks and charities because they can't eat all that stuff. Yeah, right. and, and you know what? Here's the key. And I think I wrote this in my article because I, I posted, like you shared, I posted that article on the blog. Um, I, I asked him, and I go, Niall, you know, how much money are you saving? I actually, it was, I was inspired to ask him this just a couple months ago because we, we spent a couple weeks every uh, summer up there. And um, it's in Michigan. Beautiful, by the way, beautiful place in Michigan. You get away from the heat. I'm in Atlanta, so it's a nice break away from the heat and the humidity down in Atlanta. And so I asked him, Niall, how much are you saving? And I asked, literally expecting him to give me a to-the-penny answer because he's that kind of man. His books are, he does everything. I mean, you know, 852 cherries, he knows exactly to the penny. And his answer was, you know, Eric, it's not about the money. It's a way of life. Yeah. And that got me. Yeah. Because that was the first time he's ever answered anything non-specific to a very specific question, and that spoke volumes to me. And so to me, being an urban homesteader isn't about money. It's not about saving. It's about living, getting back to, the, getting back to our roots, living on the land. And actually, the importance, and it's invaluable, knowing where your food comes from. Because yeah. even local farmers' markets, I mean, the, the farmers' market that we have locally in Georgia we get our watermelon from Florida. I mean, well, how is that a farmer's market, right? And so the only true local food you have is the food that you pick yourself in your backyard, right? And so that, to me, it spoke volumes that there's also a lot of empowerment, empowerment of of, of being connected to the land, uh, because I got to say, that's become a lost art. And the more people I talk to, like me, when I met my wife, I was completely clueless, even how to keep my African violin and my hibiscus tree. And so it, but it's you were edu- trying. <laughs> well, I was. I was woefully. But, <laughs> but I needed a little guidance. And that's all it is. And that's all we want to do. And that's really the purpose of our website and the purpose of my wife's blog is we really just want to give people hope. We want to let people know that, you know, you can be empowered. And you can live the life that we were, in my opinion, designed to live. Right. I love that um, because, I mean, I, I, I read, I took the tour of your in-laws um, urban homestead on your blog, which will be at the show notes, everyone. Um, and I was struck when I got to the point about where you asked him the question, how much money are you saving? I was expecting he would have an answer, too, because you'd already explained several things about him with the his children had to pick a thousand weeds before they went somewhere. And, you know, and he just very mm-hmm. precise man and worked, worked all the time. So anyway, I was, I was surprised by his answer, but then I thought about, it. I was like, I'm not surprised because that's what it is for me. And for, 
all all the people with whom we work and the people that are listening and that read our blogs and our friends and family who resonate values i mean it's much more than a dollar thing um it's about spending time with our children it's about educating our children it's about worshiping god it's about embracing god's design it's about health and not having doctor bills um yeah it's about um rewarding these healthful systems for the earth and by that i mean like you know the water the farmers that are doing good work the animals that are healthy and you can't really measure it in dollars i mean maybe you could say i saved money on this project or i didn't save money on this project Mm -hmm. but it's much Mm -hmm. more than money because um when we measure what we're doing compared to like the alternative at the store there's you can't even compare it because the alternative to the store has subsidies and it has like long-term doctor bills associated with it. I mean, it's sort of like poison. Whereas what we're cultivating is um, health and wellness. And so there is no comparison. So that's, I'm not a person who counts pennies, to be honest. I'm nothing like your father-in-law. So I never know how to answer the did you save money question <laughs> because sure. I'm just like, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, so- you know, Wardy, I, I got to say, between the lines, when he answered that question, I felt that was his way of saying, I actually spend money on this and I'm actually losing money. Yeah. Not losing money, but in a sense, He's if you look at my balance sheet, it looks like it's lost money, but how I it's turn that across, how I turn that around is this man doesn't get sick. Yeah. I mean, no joke. He needed a double knee replacement because again, being a, a college athlete, I mean, you know, he, he, he wore his, his cartilage and that's just, but I got to say this man doesn't get sick. I mean, he's out in the garden all the time. He, he gets the soil based organisms. We could talk a whole conversation on leaky gut, the whole mind, skin, gut connection. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's invaluable. And like you mm-hmm. said, if he were to count the doctor bills that he's saving and the medications that he's not on, I mean, being a man in his 60s, not being on these kinds of medications is unheard of. Well, I got to say a lot of it is because he's in the garden all day. Yeah. It's the all day. And so to me, yeah, it is. And it's worthwhile. And yeah, you are investing into your health, into your future, into your family. Right. It's so much more. And, you know, going back to those seven key areas of the abundant life, what about the mental and the emotional well-being you get? What about the peace of, just mm-hmm. the peace, the joy? I mean, there's something about going into your backyard and picking a tomato for that evening salad. I mean, you can't yeah. describe it unless you do it. And we have a whole container garden deal on our back porch i mean we're even lazier we got stuff in our porch we don't even need to go downstairs to our garden (laughs) and so i mean you know and we got stuff inside and outside i mean it's just it's it's beautiful and i was never raised in that in area so i never had a chance to really experience that firsthand until i got married and i have to say that was one of the main i mean just a sweet benefit that i really wasn't expecting when i married my wife because uh, when we initially got married, we bought a small condo, and we didn't have much land. And, um, you know, she did the best she could with her little garden. But, man, once she got the opportunity, when we moved down to Georgia to chase after our dream of opening up a wellness center, and I started going to chiropractic college, boy, she opened this 16 by 16 foot um, beautiful vegetable garden. We have it lined with five-gallon buckets that we got from Lowe's, and we drilled holes. So we got 20 container um, gardens, and, and it's just like, wow. 
to think to see what she did with the space that we have, let alone what we she did before was just it was inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, she she packs out a class. She does garden tours and she does gardening classes for our local friends down here in Georgia. And these people eat it up because we're just normal people. And it's I got to say, it's not hard to do. Just take some time, energy, a lot of prayer and love, you know? Yeah. Well, you said the word beautiful a couple minutes ago, and I the shirt resonates with me. I just, I think what you're doing is so beautiful. And we are out of time. So we just need to wrap up um, by you telling everybody where they can find you. We can't take your wife's classes in Atlanta, <laughs> sadly, and we no. won't be able to visit your chiropractic care center. Um, but where can we find you on the internet? Because you're doing great stuff. Yeah, you can find me at DrEricZ.com. And uh, please check out my devotional, my wife's blog. We have all kinds of recipes and urban homesteading tips. And we even also have a, an essential oil database. And for those of you who are interested in using what the Bible says, the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations, please sign up for my newsletter and get my Using God's Medicine for the Abundant Life ebook. It's free, and it'll just empower you with some evidence-based research on how to use essential oils. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you, Lord. It's been such a blessing. I really appreciate all that you do. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Thank you to Eric and, of course, his family for sharing him and taking part in his wonderful journey that now we've all shared in. It's been very inspiring. Um, everyone go to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 82 for links and more to everything that Eric and I have discussed, including a great series on YouTube that his wife does called Windowsill Gardening. You'll find the first video in that series embedded on the show notes page. If you've got a question for future episodes of Know Your Food with Wardy, please do submit them, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions. I look forward to your questions and I try to answer at least one each episode. I welcome your ratings or reviews at iTunes. Go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes. I love to get your feedback. Plus, when you rate or review the show, it helps others who are searching for important information about real food, traditional cooking, and what we do. Well, it helps those people find this information. So thank you so much for doing that. Plus, it just touches my heart that you'd um, share your appreciation and your thoughts or even, even anything negative, too. I love to hear it. And while you're at iTunes, of course, you can subscribe. You can also search for Know Your Food with Wardy on Stitcher or the podcast app so that you're all hooked up on your mobile device. Podcasts are great. I find myself hooked up to a podcast, um, weeding in the garden, doing dishes outside. You know, we've got kind of an outdoor kitchen going. So if I'm out there cooking, um, I'm listening, usually listening to something. And it's it's wonderful. I love it. We live in a great time of of information that's readily available and accessible to us and oh it's just exciting I love it so be sure to subscribe and visit with me again have a great week everyone I'll talk to you again soon